Raiders only have three up by the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And Stifler. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. Honestly, I was just trying to catch my breath. Uh, when I got in the end zone, I was kind of just standing there. All my teammates kind of were just pushing me in every different direction. I really couldn't breathe. Uh, I couldn't see much. And then I guess we had won the game. It was wild. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, coming to you live after a wild weekend in the NFL. We had action on Saturday. We had action on Sunday. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher. Berry, looking a little different today. Well, you know what? Like uh, Prior to last night's Sunday night football game between the Giants and the Commanders, I made a bet with Pete Domilatis, who is one of the producers here at NBC. He's a producer on this show. He also produces Sims Unbutton and a lot of other great shows here at NBC. He is a diehard, crazy Giants fan. And so we made a bet, a friendly bet, if you will, between two buddies about our respective teams playing on Monday Night Football. And the bet was that if the Commanders won, Pete was going to come on this show and read a poem uh, read a poem that was kind of an ode to the Commanders. It was going to have to be a, a, a poem of his own writing praising the Washington Commanders. And I said that if I would lost, that I would come on and wear a jersey of the opposing team that won the game. And so I am honoring my bet for Pete. I, like, you know what? Give the refs the credit. Give the, you know, Pete, you, listen, a bet's a bet, man. A bet's a bet. And so we, when you lose, you lose. And so hats off to the referees, um, to John Hussey and his crew. They won. You know, I mean, like, it is what it is. You go out to the, the field of play, and you, 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 try to, you try to do your best. Sometimes you come up short, and that's what happened here. The refs got the best of us. What are you going to do? You know, and the refs, by the way, move into the seventh spot of the playoffs. They are now looking good for the postseason. I don't know if you saw Steve Kornacki on Football Night in America, but the refs now like an 85% chance to make the playoffs after their victory over the Washington Commanders. So congratulations all around. Let's hear from the commanders after the game, uh, their thoughts on the actual refs in this one. The call on Terry, Terry seemed pretty adamant he had pointed his hand out to the ref. What, what was the explanation? What did you guys see on, on the film? Looked like Terry pointed That's his hand out. That's exactly what I thought, too. Thank you. And I got to ask about the Curtis one as well. Um, it, it, the fourth down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, yeah. in fact, don't ask me about the refereeing because I can't answer the question. Terry, he told, did you hear him tell you that you were okay? Yeah, I did. Like, that's why I'm giving him a thumbs up twice to make sure I was I was good. But, I mean, in that event, I guess I can't make it close for a judgment call. But, uh, like I said, I feel like I checked with him twice. Good game last night, Matthew, I thought. Yeah, really yeah. right down the wire. A couple heated moments. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Like, so, like, can I ask you guys this? You guys, yeah. neither of you guys are Commanders fans. Or Giants you're, fans. You're, you're, no, you're a Jets fan. I said or Giants fans. Or Giants fans. Right, right, I was uh, going to say, exactly. Yeah. You guys are actually both Jets fans, right? Yeah, so I feel in a couple like, weeks. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, flip off a lot. You're Australian. You're really an Australian <laughs> rules football fan. But whatever. Connor is a well-known Jets fan. 
whatever. So you guys, quote unquote, got no dog in this fight. Correct. So I have a number of questions here, but my first one here is is that from everything you know, and I know that you guys don't know Terry McLaurin personally, but from everything you know about Terry McLaurin and the reputation he has throughout the league and the clip that you just saw, and if you're listening on a podcast, that was the voice, of, the second voice you heard was Terry McLaurin right there. Do you believe him? Absolutely. Or do you think he's lying? No, I, I don't do believe think, that man is a liar. No, yeah. I think he's telling the truth. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost certain Terry McLaurin's telling the truth. Scattered him coming out of Ohio State, a pristine character, just not the type of guy that would make anything up. He, ha- he has been, I just can tell you, because I know a lot of the people around the commanders, he is beloved there, beloved by the team, beloved by management, beloved by the community. There's a reason why it's not just his on-field play, but it's the character of the man. It's why he got paid what he paid in the offseason, because he is somebody that they believe is a true face of the franchise, that's somebody that they can be proud of and be behind. And, and so when Terry McLaurin says, I thought I was good, I asked him if I was good, the guy said, move up a little, I moved up a little, and then I turned to him again, and I said, am I good? And he says, I'm good. And I give him the two thumbs, that's what he's, he's saying. Like, and that's why I did the two thumbs up, because I'm good. And then they call the penalty. And then they take a touchdown off the board. Terry McCauley, who, who's jo- who, former NFL referee, who often gives the benefit of the doubt to the referees. He is our rules analyst here on NBC and Football Night in America. He was like, I wouldn't have called that. Terry McLaurin's like, I was told I was good. If you watch the play, and if you can go to my Twitter, you can see it. It's pinned to the top of my Twitter. He gives, they both give a thumbs up, right? You see it right here. Here, here. For those of you watching it as well, look at that. It's just circled. Like, he gives a thumb up twice. Okay, great. Like, and then here, Brian Robinson goes in for um, uh, a, a touchdown that makes it within two points, right? Um, uh, obviously, hurts the commanders, hurts anyone who had Brian Robinson on their fantasy team. I had Brian Robinson anytime touchdown is a bet, hurts me. I lose money on this play. Um, there's a lot at stake with that particular play. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that had Brian Robinson in a, uh, in a fantasy matchup that had him as an anytime touchdown bet that had, that had him, uh, had, that had the commanders plus three and a half, which was the in-game line. Um, uh, so a lot of implications to that, but that's okay because, all right, fine, whatever. It's a penalty. I mean, I actually, I mean, it's egregious. I don't get it. But then the next thing, <laughs> then on fourth down, do we have this? Do we have, do we have this play? When Ter- T- so Taylor Heineke goes back to pass, and he's looking around, trying to find Curtis Samuel. And he doesn't find Curtis Samuel. As you see it here on your screen, you're watching it here, right? So Ter- T- Taylor Heineke, he's running around. He's trying to look. He throws in the end zone. There's Curtis Samuel. Nope. The play is broken up. The play is broken up. And why is the play broken up? Because he's being tackled. <laughs> he's literally like, he's like, that's like by the way in 25 states that's assault he's that close to this guy he's all over the he's all over curtis samuel he's like he, he's tackling he can we can we take a shot of this camera one can we get in close of this for because when we get to the video like look at that he's like literally he's got his arms wrapped around him i don't hug my mom that tight what are we doing and somehow somehow this is not Pass interference. The uh, the pool reporter uh, reporting from um, Hussey after the game said, you know, it's a judgment call and ultimately didn't think it was it was pass interference. Yet, despite the fact it was pass interference, I'm going to say a couple of things here and then we can wrap this up and move on. 
First off, by the way, the refs, in fairness, the refs were bad throughout the game. They missed, no, and I'm being honest. They, they missed, like, no, they missed calls on the Giants' sure, too. Because sure. I, I hear all the Giants fans watching this going, oh, yeah, well, what about the, you know, what about the, the, the fumble that should have been, you know, should have been a touchdown because he wasn't touched. Sure. And I'm with you. I, 100%. Now, the fact of the matter is, is like they had to slow it down to milliseconds. Like, it, it, it was moving like this much before the ground. And I think that had it been called in real time, he's down to the ground. They probably would have touched him and it may not have been touched. We don't know. But is it a missed call? It's 100% a missed call. The, you know, the, the thumb in Thibodeau's eye. I get it. Like, bad calls on both sides. But that's egregious. And this is the thing that I tweeted. And then we'll move on. And by the way, the other thing is, is that the commanders, look, you can't fumble twice, right? You can't give up a strip sack tumble, uh, touchdown, which they did, and they also fumbled in their red zone. So two unforgivable mistakes in a, in a one-score game. But there is too much at stake. There is too much at stake in the NFL for them to get calls like this wrong. We have the technology. And I don't, listen, I, I'm angry and I'm having some fun here, but like, the, like, I don't think the referees are bad guys. I don't think they're purposely trying to miss these calls. What I do think is I think they're, they're overmatched. I think the game is too fast. I think they are too old. I think it is just it is moving too fast. They don't have the capacity to be able to judge these kind of these bang-bang plays in real time. Now, admittedly, the pass interference one, that, that's inexplicable because, yeah. like, it's not a bang-bang play. Like, the, I, I, we could all see yeah. it, like, like, five seconds before the get, ball gets there. Like, he's practically on the ground. And the McLaurin one also makes no sense because he's literally like, am I good? He hears I'm good. And then he caught, like, but... Um, there is too much at stake. It's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry. And I know, I know the NFL wants to get it right. I know they do. And I don't know why it, it's impossible to do so. We have the technology. Make, make referees full-time so they can spend all week long learning this. Have, have every play reviewable. Right? I mean, we have that technology. Make every game forced to have the same number of cameras. Because based on the game, like NBC has more cameras there at a primetime game than the fifth regional on CBS does at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Right? Make sure there's a goal line cam every single... Like, these are fairly... And it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better. And it's just... It's costing people their job. Like, there's a chance the commanders don't make the playoffs. And as a result, I don't know what... Daniel Snyder or whoever potentially a new owner of the commanders might say, but like, do they fire Ron Rivera? Do they, do they, do they decide to move on from Taylor Heineke? Jobs, like, jobs are at stake. Careers are at stake. Legacies are at stake. Not to mention, obviously, the, the fantasy and betting implications of that game. Like, there's way too much at stake, way too much money, way too much real life stuff that is at stake in these games to us get it for, for people to get it as wrong as they're getting it. And it's not just happening to the commanders, right? The Minnesota game, it ended up not mattering because the Vikings ended up winning. But there were two touchdowns mm. called back on the Vikings that should have been touchdowns. The Raiders game, the Raiders, the, the Patriots should not have lost that game. No. And I can't believe I'm sitting here saying, like, the Raiders <laughs> got screwed by the refs because I feel like they always get the benefit of every call. But they did. It shouldn't have come down to that crazy play we started off with because Keelan Cole had his foot out. Like, I just... It's consistently bad is the problem. Consistently bad. And consistently inconsistent. Yes. Like, it's not even like... Yeah. I thought we were going to lead the show with Cardinals-Broncos, so all this emotion <laughs> is quite surprising to me, but that's okay. Trace McSorley, Brett Rippon. Yeah. That's the game that doesn't ripping for you. game. I just... Here's the thing. I just... If the Commanders lose, the Commanders lose. And honestly, for much of the game, I mean, you know, the Giants made big plays when they needed to, and the Commanders didn't. Again, the two fumbles are bad. But the Commanders also ran at will... And they dominated time possession. And I think there were some, a lot of ticky-tack fouls. I thought the two-point conversion shouldn't have been called. I thought that was a, I thought that was a very ticky-tack 
play as well. I, I mean, I, I was watching that with Chris Sims, noted Giants homer Chris Sims. <laughs> you know, openly admits he's a From Giants New fan. Jersey. And, and, yeah, I mean, his father played. His father's a New York Giants legend. And literally Chris Sims was like, yeah, that probably shouldn't <laughs> have been called. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just uh, on the two-point conversion. Um, so, I just, ah. Uh, like, I want us to lose legitimately. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and we still might have. We still might have. Again, bad calls on both sides. But to have it, to have the Robinson touchdown called back and then the Samuel mugging not get called, like, it's awful. It's awful. Let's get into some of the fantasy implications from this game, and we'll go right down the line of the biggest games from I'm just the weekend. Take the rest of the segment. It <laughs> is. So me and Jay have uh, Giants <laughs> Commanders covered here. <laughs> Big day for Saquon Barkley. The Saquon Barkley bounce back year continues. 18 rushes, 87 yards, 23 uh, fantasy points. That is his ties his second highest total of the season. So for teams rostering or starting, obviously Saquon Barkley in the first round of the playoffs, they get paid off the entire year. It's just been a great year for Saquon. Yeah, I think Saquon's kind of been forgotten about the past month because he hasn't, he hasn't he's really been done hurt. anything yeah. for a month, and he's been hurt. He's had really tough matchups, but I mean the Commanders are a tough matchup as well, and he looked the best he has in four or five weeks. The I don't know what he was like. The last drive, just repeatedly the spin move, just over and over again. It was like LeBron James in the finals against yeah. the Warriors, just spin move to the hoop every single time, and the Commanders just couldn't stop him. He was great down the stretch, especially when they knew he was. They were going to run, yeah. and he still was able to get through. I think the most encouraging thing about Saquon was the receiving game. Sure, work. thirty-three yards uh, through the air. That's his most since week five, and so that was something that I thought was. Um, uh, really encouraging if you have Barkley on your team. I don't know that there's any other takeaway from the from the Giants side of the ball. Um, uh, you know, decent rushing from Daniel Jones on the on the Washington side of the ball. Just to talk fantasy here for a second, Brian Robinson continues to look great and is the comeback player of the year. But they play San Francisco at San Francisco on a short week after an emotional loss um, uh, against the Giants. And so, other than Terry McLaurin who has a 30% target share with Taylor Heineke, it's hard to get excited or recommend any player next week on the road at San Francisco. As we'll get into the week, but I think if you're a Commanders fan, really, and I am, obviously, a very disappointing game, but the positives here are is that Jahan Dotson's a stud, man. Yeah, like, you know, plus. I mean, like, but, you know, Brian Robinson's a stud. You know, already know about Terry McLaurin. Um, Dotson's just awesome. Solid play from, from Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson, like, there's stuff to – I mean, that's the thing. We'll see if the commanders make the playoffs or not, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is, like, they nailed that in the draft. Like, they, there are some real young building blocks to build around for the commanders. So, I'm just – as somebody who has Dotson and Dynasty, I'm excited. Like, yeah. he's – that Chase kid's, Young that coming back as well. Chase Young's coming back. It's not all bad for the commanders. Yeah, the defense played fine. Like, I, you know, there were a couple of things where, you, you know, they gave up the 97-yard t- uh, the drive and, like, couldn't – you know, but, like, at the end of the day, they gave up 12 points. Well, you know what I mean? Like, he can't – you can't – they gave him 13 points. I gave him. They gave him a touchdown and two field goals. Like, he can't blame the, the strip sack fumble touchdown on them. Like, yes. you know, they, they, they held the Giants to 13 points. Like, that should be enough to get a W in the NFL. Like, yeah. I, I can't put this loss on the, uh, on the defense. No, I can't. No, Kayvon Thibodeau was a monster. He yeah, was. He was great. Monster. Great game. He was, he was unbelievable. He, was, uh, he deserves all the praise that he gets. Moving on to, undoubtedly, the most hilarious ending to a game we have seen at least this season. The Patriots lose to the Raiders – um, we, we showed the play at the top. I actually want to show the win probability chart just to show how out of control this game got. So we'll th- show that in a second. There it is. I mean, this game, guys, was just all over the place, and the Patriots lose on 
an egregious mistake with the pitch back at the end that goes right to Chandler Jones. It'll live forever. That play will live forever. It's the kind of quintessential Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of a just an idiotic as you, as play. You, as you see it here, Stevenson makes a great run here, but it's a tie game. And so they get an out, and so then he pitches it just before he goes down to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers oh, no. trying Jones to on hit Jones, Jones but doesn't get it to him. Chandler Jones is one who catches it. He just he just trucks Mac Jones. Poor Mac Jones gets posterized. He's like, I thought we were just taking a knee here. He was set up to die yeah, on you this know. play. And then Chandler Jones, and this is one of those, I don't know what they'll call it, but you know, this is this is immaculate reception. This is the catch. This is you know, this is one of those, you know, this is the tuck rule. This is this is one of those iconic plays that I agree with you, Jay, will live on forever. Just, you know, like the the you know, the Stanford band, you know, the Stanford cow that yes. you know the, the band is out know, of the field. Everyone knows, right, right. Everyone knows like I don't know what they'll call this, you know, and there's the Music City miracle. Yeah. They'll be it'll be you know, the Minnesota miracle with the, the I don't know what they'll call this, but... Um, the truck stick from hell. I mean, it's something, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, but... I feel yeah, bad for Mac Jones because... Yes. Terrible spot to be in. It was like, who did... DeAndre Jordan dunked on Brandon Knight, I think, and it like right. basically left Brandon Knight. It was like basically that with Chandler Jones. Nobody stands a chance in that Jones. spot. Yeah. Nobody's, right. But <laughs> poor, poor uh, beyond all that, what gets buried in this game is Ramondre Stevenson has a monster game. Monster game. For fantasy playoffs. Yeah, you know, and it, what's... I think there's probably some people that missed out on a load. If you listen to fantasy football pregame, we were like, we believe Stevenson's likely to play, and I'm rolling with him. But the fact of the matter is, is he came into the game questionable. He hadn't practiced all week except a limited practice on Friday. He was considered a game-time decision, likely to play, you know, when Damian Harris had been ruled out. But people weren't sure if he was, and it was a late game. So I could see there probably were some fantasy managers out there that are like, I don't want to risk it that he doesn't play. I don't have a good pivot. I'm going to go with somebody else in an earlier game. And so they missed out on 24.8 fantasy points. Just a monster game again. He scores the touchdown, 172. He also catches two balls as well. He had 68% of the Patriots running back carries. He's played four healthy games over his last his last four healthy games that he hasn't left the game early. And he's averaging 18.3 fantasy points per game. You know, what's exciting is, is I think they tried him out. They, they were doing a little bit of a committee, right? Just 15 snaps in the first half for Ramondre. Um, you know, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris saw some work as well. But then in the second half, I think they were like, okay, let's just ride Ramondre. 23 of his 43 snaps came after halftime. Looked no worse for wear. And they play, they're home to Cincinnati, they're home to Miami, and then at Buffalo. They're, it, look, the Patriots like to run anyway as it gets colder. And especially, like, you know, I don't know that there's anything that, you know, uh, they're going to continue to ride. Ramondre Stevenson is an RB1, despite, regardless of matchup throughout the rest of the playoffs. Just just an absolute fantasy monster. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's too much to say about Ramondre. I think that on the other side of the ball, Darren Waller was, was relevant. Didn't, I don't think anyone really knew what to do with Darren Waller, but he has a decent enough day, gets in the end zone, which makes his day. And I think that just with the, the dearth of quality at the tight end position, he's someone that you're just going to have to start next week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, like, I'll own this. Like, I said on Fantasy Football Now, like, I want to see it first. Like, let's, let's you know... Let's see it. Like, who knows what kind of playing team he's going to have. Like, the report we got from Mike Florio uh, on the show is that they wanted to ease him back in. And, by the way, that's exactly what they did. He played less than half the snaps. He basically split time with Foster Moreau. He had a single-digit target share, just a 9% target share. Now, it pays off because one of the three receptions he had was a 25-yard touchdown. But at the end of the day, like, if I told you he's getting a 9% target share, he's only going to catch three balls in this game, you'd have been like, eh, I'm probably not going to start him. 
Again, one of the one of them a little bit of a busted coverage, and he winds up with a 25-yard touchdown, which is Darren Waller. I agree with you, Jay, because it's such a low bar to clear in terms of fantasy relevance for a tight end. You're starting Darren Waller here, but I don't think the analysis like I'll completely own when I get wrong. Well, you know, when the analysis is wrong in targets. a lot of places, but I don't think it was necessarily on Darren Waller. The idea that. Waller would score against one of the better defenses in the NFL against defending tight ends, which is the Patriots. They're they're really good in terms of limiting tight ends, and he's getting a nine percent target share. Like, fluky is what it is. I I, I literally said I think I said I'm starting Chig Aconquo over Darren Waller. That's what I said on Fantasy Field pregame. By the way, Chig Aconquo, it was. I mean, exactly. Even with Waller's touchdown, I think he was only like two and a half or three points better than Aconquo. So I mean, you know. Anyway, but it is good news going forward uh, for the Raiders. They play the Steelers next week, which is a pretty good matchup for yep. Waller. I think just lastly, well, the good thing is if you have Waller on your roster, the fact that the Raiders won this game means their season stays relevant for at least another week. So there's no shutdown risk with Waller the next week or two, you would think. Yeah, I mean, the only if there's one negative this game, and I don't know if there's a real takeaway, is it just a bad game for Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. Again, you know I mean? Like, we've talked about the run-heavy nature of the Raiders recently. This is now back-to-back weeks with under 11 fantasy points for one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. 27 or more fantasy points in four of the previous five to this two-game stretch where he's been bad fantasy-wise. I think the Patriots made a key to try to, like, we'll, we'll give up three five-yard chunk plays to Josh Jacobs as long as Devontae Adams doesn't kill us deep. Again, going against Pittsburgh, that's a much better matchup. If you survive this week, you're still rolling out Devontae Adams. It's just a bad day at the office. What are you going to do? And not, you know, like, and that happens, you know, there are definitely people that just have really bad days at the office. <laughs> it happens. It does. Some have it bad happens. weeks. Some have bad Some weeks. Some have bad seasons. Yeah. Some have bad seasons. Moving over to the Jaguars with the big upset over the Cowboys, and we are going to play back very Sunday bold prediction. Jaguars, my Swaguars, <laughs> beat the Cowboys trap at game. home. Again, trap game. I think Dallas, they should have lost to Houston last week. They're playing on borrowed time. They're looking ahead to Philadelphia. My Swaguars, only four-point underdogs to the Cowboys. I think Trevor Lawrence pulls off the upset here. Give All me right. the Swaguars over the Cowboys, my bold Go prediction. Swaguars. And boy, did he. And as obviously, this was a game that took a drastic turn thanks to Trevor Lawrence. A monster day. Four touchdowns, over 300 yards. Trevor Lawrence continues uh, his hot streak and his breakout as a potential top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, uh, he looked awesome in this game. Like, and some of the, I mean, they were down in this game and, like, just again, looked like a franchise quarterback. When you watch this game, like, he looked like a franchise quarterback, made big throws. Got hurt by a couple of drops and that kind of stuff. But since week 12, guys, Trevor Lawrence is the third-best quarterback in fantasy football, right? He's now had 24 or more fantasy points in three of the last four. Over the last four games, he leads the NFL in touchdown passes. He's got 11 over the last month as well. And so he now has back-to-back games with 300 or more yards, 300 or more passing yards and three or more passing touchdowns. We are seeing Trevor Lawrence finally shake off all the Urban Meyerness that got sucked into him in year one in his rookie and becoming the franchise guy that we all expected him to be when he was the number one overall pick out of Clemson. Next week, the Jaguars are at your New York Jets, so that's going to be a tough matchup here. Short week. But I think, and on a short week, right, the Thursday night game. But I just think he's good enough, uh, and their weapons, and we'll talk about them in a second, and they're pass-friendly enough that I, I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence locked in as a QB1, and if you have him in Dynasty, which I do, you're pretty happy about this. Think about they get Calvin Ridley next year. This is yeah. a really good offense. Second year Doug Peterson, and they'll ha- add Calvin Ridley to everything they've got going on. 
Things are looking up in Jacksonville. Yep. I think the great thing about Lawrence as well from a fantasy perspective is that the Jags' defense isn't good. Like, it's not good. And so he's in these high-scoring games. He's having to throw. And he gets a... It's not a good matchup against the Jets. But at the same time, despite the Jags' defense being bad, like... Zach Wilson can't move the ball. We'll get to that at some point, but the, the Jets cannot move the ball. It's not like the Jets are going to have 40 minutes time of possession. So you'd expect Lawrence, even with the tough matchup, to continue. You have to start him at this point. Yeah, you, you, you absolutely do. I, and by the way, this is how annoying, just to, here's how annoyed I was about last night's game. Like, I was upset after this weekend because also I had, some, yeah, I had some tough fantasy luck in terms of, like, I played against Zay Jones in a couple of game, weeks and we'll talk, a couple of leagues and we'll talk about this. But I'm just... Like, so I nailed that bold prediction. That's a really good bold prediction. That, what, the sound you heard was my bold prediction from Fantasy Football Pregame, predicting the Jaguars to beat the Cowboys. Pretty good bold prediction. I can't even enjoy it. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I went, I went, I went 2-0 on my, you know, my, my bet jam breakdown bets on Sunday Night Football. It's great. Can't enjoy it. Like, I'm so miserable and upset about, about football this weekend. It just, uh... That's all right. Taylor Hines, anyway, anyway, Legion of the whatever. Playoffs, I, beat San Francisco. Um, if there is one thing, like, so yes, I played against Zay Jones, and I wish, why do I have to be so smart, Connor Rogers? Because he was in the love list. He was in the love list. I, like, I wish, why couldn't this one have been one of my wrong calls? But no, I had to be right. He's now got four receiving touchdowns in the last two games. He, since week 10, he's averaging double-digit targets here. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's really good. Like, huge factor a, in the red zone. Huge factor yeah. in the red zone. Like, you don't expect three touchdowns, obviously. That's crazy. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's a very narrow target tree in Jacksonville. It really is Christian Kirk and Zay Jones with some Evan Ingram sprinkled in. And so uh, given the elevated play of Trevor Lawrence, to your point about the fact that they, they're getting into these shootouts because the defense has struggled, you know, like Zay Jones, very viable going forward. I don't think three touchdowns is a fluke. But the production isn't. There's a reason why he was on the love list last week. Yeah, they've got a ceiling now as an offense, too, where you know all of these guys produced. They all had good games. Jones, Kirk, Ingram, Etienne, Lawrence, they all had good games. So, I mean, the Jags, I think you just have to treat them as a, an elite offense going forward. Absolutely. And Zay Jones just continues to be an absolute target monster. On the Dallas side of things, even in the stunning loss, a solid day for the backfield. Both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott uh, with good days on the ground. Tony Pollard had about almost 15 fantasy points. Zeke had 15.1 fantasy points. Here's the splits right here, guys, from yesterday. This is a committee that, or a duo that is, they're both being effective right now. They really are. Pollard's the more effective guy, but Zeke's getting the touchdown. He's now scored in seven straight games. And so he needs the touchdowns to really pay off, you know, but he's getting them. I mean, they're a highly efficient offense that's going to be scoring a lot. They love Zeke in the red zone, obviously. Since week 11, he's a top 10 fantasy running back. He's now had 18 or more touches in three straight games. Cowboys, really big matchup this week against Philadelphia. So Zeke and Pollard obviously will be involved. Like, Pollard's a top 10 guy. I mean, Pollard, since week since week 11, he's the third best running back in fantasy. I mean, the the... The Tony, I feel like that's been an underrated story in fantasy this year is just how, how amazing Tony Pollard has been because it's been a timeshare with Ezekiel Elliott. But drafted as a guy that was you know, sort of a, an insurance back and maybe a flex play to Ezekiel Elliott, he's full-on become an RB1 over the last month. Yeah, Pending free the, agent, too. Yeah, it's the receiving work there as well, which he wasn't getting consistently at the start of the year. But he's had these huge receiving games. The Minnesota game was ridiculous where he's basically a wide receiver for half yeah. of that game. And now, yeah, like you said, big matchup with the Eagles. Cowboys, one-and-a-half-point favorites in that. Not a lot of respect for the no uh, one-seed Eagles. No respect. That's insane. Yeah, I like Give the Eagles. Give me the Eagles. Though. Yeah, Eagles. Eagles getting like, points? Yeah, yeah. Eagles should ooh, be favored. That's going to move. Ooh, yeah, I feel well, like. Well, 100%. Really, I don't like the Cowboys. That's but, true. Uh, the Cowboys are a big market. Yeah, the Cowboys, I mean, 
like Eagles are the Cowboys that good? Are we sure the Cowboys are that good? I thought they were a month ago, but now no, I... after their recent results, like squeak home against the Texans, and I know the Chiefs squeaked home as well, but I think the Chiefs played a lot better against the Texans than the Cowboys did, and then they give up forty to the Jags. Yeah. 100% agree with everything you just you just said like that. Smart guy. Yeah, he is a smart yeah. guy. 100%. Speaking of those... Would you like to, would you like to be a referee I was going to say, do you want to ref the yeah. next game? Yes, I do. Yeah. There's a job for you yeah. on deck. I will, I will give you this in the, in the jersey. Give I'll give you this jersey in, uh, in the break. Speaking of those 1-11-1 Texans that continue to just be annoying. They just hang around in games. They hung around for the Chiefs all the way to overtime. The Chiefs. How are the Texans against the spread this year? I bet you they're pretty good. They went through a good stretch. I mean, certainly they've covered the past two weeks. With yeah, ease. monstrous yeah. spreads. Like double digits. Yeah, yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Almost double digits this week. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do think this one was, like, the Chiefs, they fumbled three times. Yes. Some uh, flukiness. They, they missed the, the field goal from Bucket to win it. Uh, I think Justin Watson dropped the – was it he who dropped the 50-yard? Yeah, I think yep, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was yeah. like, it could have very easily been a 20-point loss uh, because Mahomes did whatever he wanted in this game. 35 of 41, two touchdowns, spreads it around. Jarek McKinnon. Apparently That's the story of this game. Absolutely. Apparently the second coming of Tony Pollard, Jerry McKinnon, just out of his mind again. I, I tweeted this out, and uh, I was half being serious, but, I, like, Jarek McKinnon is becoming everything we hoped CEH would be. And they're yeah. obviously very different running backs. McKinnon's a little bit smaller, but the fact of the matter is is that they're using him uh, massively in, uh, in the passing game. He's just, you know, he's getting a ton of targets. Uh, right, you know, I mean, like, last week I sort of thought, well, the touchdowns were a little fluky. You know, the, the flip to him, and then he just yeah. races down the sideline, everything like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that his snap rate has increased for four straight weeks. He actually outsnapped Isaiah Pacheco 48-27. to 27. He actually had all four goal line carries in week 15. He now has back-to-back games with 32 or more fantasy points. You see it there on the screen. Not Dalvin Cook, not Derrick Henry, not Chris McCaffrey. Jarek McKinnon is your number one running back in fantasy for the second straight week as we head into Monday Night Football. And, like, I wonder if it's if it's a couple of things. Number one is is that, you know, listen, you earn more time on the field, right? You, you produce and they, you, they keep going back to you. I also wonder, is like, this is somebody that was in their system last year that was a key for them in the playoffs. And maybe they just know, like, look, this is – He's really good when he's out there, but he's struggled with injuries. And so, you know what? We don't think he can be a full-time back throughout a 17-week NFL season. And we feel pretty good about our chances of playing at the postseason. So we're going to use him sparingly throughout the season. And then as we start getting closer towards the playoffs, we're going to increase his usage and really lean on him. And that's what they've done the last two weeks. And I don't know why they would go away from him because it's working in a magnificent fashion. Yeah, I've always enjoyed Mr. McKinnon's work. Sure. He's always just been rock solid. And I yeah. think there is an element, too, is as you get closer to the playoffs, like, are they really going to be rolling with Isaiah Pacheco, a rookie in pass protection in the receiving game? Like, McKinnon's just so much more solid, I think, even if he doesn't have Pacheco's explosive upside. But, yeah, why wouldn't this continue? He, yeah. He's become the pa- – he, he's obviously already the passing down back on a team that throws a lot. But the fact that they're using him with the goal line, the fact they're using him between the tackles, to me, that's the eye-opener. Yeah, he's got two huge things going for him. He's a veteran, and you want veterans out there and keep playoff games. And he's got speed. He's got speed as a pass catcher. And this is a team that's been looking to get more speed on the field. And then you look at Pacheco, fumbles in the second quarter, snap rates down. He's the kind of the guy that in between the 20s to get the ground attack going. 
it feels like the value is starting to go the wrong way. Maybe a little bit of a rookie wall. He's, he's kind of having the season, well, not really, but it, there's elements of what we thought Miles Sanders' year was going to be like that I think are kind of infecting Isaiah Pacheco at the moment where it is between the 20s. He's not getting the goal line carries. He's not the pass catching back. So he kind of needs to break one. Yes. Uh, yeah, he needs Which to break one outside of the red zone to have a really big day. Yeah, look, since week 10, he's running back 26 on a points-per-game basis, and that sounds about right, which yeah. is basically he's a touchdown-dependent flex. Now, I think more often than not, he gets in the end zone because they, they, they like him and they use him between the tackles, and it's a team that's going to often be scoring position. Like, it's his sixth straight game with at least 15 touches. So you're telling me, hey, I, you can start a running back that's going to get 15 touches on the Chiefs? You like those odds, generally speaking. So, again, like, he wasn't terrible. He just, against the Texans, he should have had a much bigger day. And, honestly, I think McKinnon had the day we thought Isaiah Pacheco was going to have. One of my shot-for-shots on fantasy football pregame was Isaiah Pacheco will have a top-10 fantasy day, 100 yards and a touchdown for Isaiah Pacheco. What I meant to say was Jarek McKinnon. So, like, I just, if we could, yeah, I just, whatever, I, you know, I, I pulled a, a name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, pulled a, I pulled a John Hussey. I screwed up. I think the issue with Pacheco is the Chiefs haven't been blowing teams out, and that was a huge part of his appeal, that he was going to get these garbage-time touchdowns. The right. like, yeah. like, we, they're two touchdown favorites. Yes, but it just hasn't happened. Like, they haven't really blown anyone out since, ironically, they blew out the Niners in San Francisco at 21, <laughs> which is really weird that they can blow out the Niners but not the Texans, but he's still providing value. Yeah. Our, our last game on the opener here, guys, Bucks bengals Everything looking great for the Bucks in the first half. They completely melt uh, and turtle in the second half. It looked like Joe Burrow was going to ruin some fantasy playoffs for people with his first half, and then he hits the touchdown at T. Higgins and everything kind of took off from there. Yeah, I, it, a, a thousand percent. It was, this was a weird game. Very strange. It was very weird. Because just it was fumbles like, for it, fun. Yeah, it was like it was you know it was literally the tale of two halves here, where it's just like all Bucks and then all Bengals. Yep. So really quickly, but let's stay on the Buccaneer side of the ball. And here's the positives for us in the fantasy world. Signs of life. Uh, Brady. Brady, a really good fantasy day, at least for him, right? Three touchdowns and over 300 yards. He does have the four turnovers, which is tough, which limits him. But still, like, you, you know, if it, more, more often than not, 300 yards and multiple touchdown passes, that's the Brady we expected to, um, to see. He's now had multiple touchdown passes in four of the last five games. Great game from Chris Godwin. We expected that. Mike Evans, a usable fan. Still doesn't get in the end zone, but still finally a usable game for Mike Evans. I don't know where Russell Gage comes up with two touchdowns. I think that's fluky. I, but I do think if you've been hanging tough with Mike Evans, you feel good about this. And I think Tom Brady, semi-viable, especially, by the way, their next Sunday night at Arizona. Like, I do think Brady is is viable next week against the Cardinals. Yeah, I actually, even though they lost by 11 and they blew a 17-point lead, I feel a lot better about the Bucks than I did kind of yesterday morning just because of the way they moved the ball against a good and improving Cincinnati defense. Like Brady, yes, it wasn't necessarily the most efficient, but he was over seven yards per attempt, which he hasn't been every week. So I like the minus four against the Cardinals, uh, and that's a good way to spend your Christmas night, betting the Bucks minus four against uh, the Arizona <laughs> right. Cardinals. Right, right, with yeah. us here on NBC. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the, that's the Sunday night football game right here on uh, NBC. BC and Peacock, I'm a company man. Tyler Boyd gets in the end zone. He's now had at least five targets in eight of the last nine games. So in games in which teams struggle against the slot, which Arizona somewhat does, like I do think Tyler Boyd's interesting. And T. Higgins, make if he survived last week and T. Higgins is goose egg, he makes up for it. Five for 33, he gets a touchdown. Plays 80% of the snaps, which I think is important given the health questions. He's now scored a touchdown in three straight games that he's played. I don't think he can count last week as a game that he played. Uh, but, the you know, the Bengals did what the Bengals do after a rough start. You know, they turned it on. Yeah, Burrow spread the ball around. All three wide receivers get in the end zone. 
Plenty more action from the weekend. A lot of players having And, and it's interesting. It's the, the, the only thing that's kind of like you know eyebrow-raising about the Bengals was sort of the running back usage. We don't have to get into too much of that We can as we get further on. But that was the only thing was like Mixon had the majority work. P. Ryan looked like the more effective running back, you know, and the numbers suggest that as well. So just as we, as we break down next week's games, we'll have the rest of the week to sort of talk about it. But just Mixon's not out of the woods yet in terms of having all the touches from Samaj yeah. P. Ryan. And maybe the wear and tear has caught up to him a little bit. They really ran him into the ground the first couple of months yeah. of the season. And, and give credit where credit's due. Samaj P. Ryan's good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's, he's playing well. Exactly. Jarek McKinnon-ish. Very, yes. Like a young Jarek McKinnon out there. Oh, God, what an annoying Sunday night last week. We'll be back with Weekend Warriors. Great to win, great to come back. I had no idea it was the largest in NFL history. Um, something like that doesn't happen to average people. Um, so I'm proud of the way the group did that. What's the story with the jacket? And what would you have worn had to come back in that? Uh... My wife dresses me. So uh, I, I, she, put it, she put it out last night, and I, I looked at her like, I don't know. And uh, she nodded, you got to do it. So, uh, so here we are. That was the voice of Kirk Cousins talking about the ridiculous jacket he was wearing post-game. Look, my wife said you got to do it, so here we are. Speaks for every husband in America. I feel you, Kirk. I feel you. As, she put uh, out the ref jersey for you today? She's like, listen, yeah. I got something for you. Yeah, my wife was pissed too. I, you know, she gets it. She, she's angry. She was angry. I like Kirk Cousins says that doesn't happen to average people. I feel like I definitely wouldn't have made that comeback, and I'm pretty much an average person. <laughs> I don't fit into the fair Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins mold. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, Kirk. Good uh, win. A massive game for Kirk Cousins, 35-54. I feel like all of this was in the second half, by the way. 460 right. yards, four yeah. touchdowns, over 30 fantasy points. Uh, and a lot of that was due to a, a massive game from not Justin Jefferson, but K.J. Osborne. And Kirk Cousins had a lot to say about Osborne after the game. You know, K.J., I thought, was phenomenal today. He's a guy that he, can, he could do that every week. But you've got Justin, you've got Adam, you've got TJ, you've got Dalvin, you've got Alex Madison. Um, and so it's, it's been hard to get him the football as much as he deserves it and has shown the ability to, uh, to deserve it. So he's a guy that all season long I've kind of felt, you know, we need to get him more targets, get him more opportunities because he's the real deal. It's just been hard to, uh, to get him as involved as he was today. And, and he showed it today, what, he, what he's capable of. I have total confidence in him to be an elite, elite receiver in this league. I've been saying this for a, a few weeks now, but I think uh, Justin Jefferson's been holding back KJ Osborne this whole time, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they need to stop throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a bunch of crazy things. I mean, you always, again, you never know what can happen in the NFL. As we sit there, for those of you, we have a screen up of the fantasy wide receiver leaders in Week 15 in the first round of the playoffs. So Zay Jones, KJ Osborne, one and two, just like we drew it up. Russell Gage at five, Noah Brown at six. John Dotson at nine. I mean, again, you've got Jefferson and A.J. Brown in there and Godwin and Tyreek, but, uh, and Waddle, of course, at 10, but still just unbelievable. I played against a guy that, I mean, I just had like the worst. Like, I played against a guy that started, that started Osborne against me. I played against a guy that had Zay Jones and Jalen Waddle. Like, I mean, just like, just stupid. What are you going to do? Um, so, 
about the Vikings game, two things here. Specifically, like, again, sort of a perfect storm. Down big, yeah. down big, but in a dome environment against a defense that was playing a little bit over its head. The fact of the matter is, is that, again, not trying to bash the refs again, but the fact of the matter is, is that had those defensive touchdowns been called correctly, they're not down, you know what I mean? So they, they, they ended up getting the ball, but not having a defensive score. And so, at least on the second one. So I think that those things also contributed to um, to the to the to the craziness here, um, and then specifically the KJ Osborne. Like this is his second game this year with over 50 receiving yards. It's a great story. It's a great NFL story. And the Vikings, like it's unbelievable that they managed to make this incredible comeback. But um, the the Colts are generally bad against. The, uh, against the slot. I mean, you think about Christian Kirk having a huge game against them early in the season. They have been really good against perimeter-wide receivers, so I'm not ex- I'm not surprised in a game in which they were throwing, uh, you know, a, a ton, right? I mean, like, you know, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 54 times in this game. And, and so in a game in which you're having over 50 uh, passing attempts, I'm not surprised that K.J. Osborne got the looks that he did, 16 targets in this one, Ty Justin Jefferson. Thielen also got into the end zone. But Kirk's right. As long as all those guys are healthy, right? You know, like K.J. Osborne, it's a great story, but I can't imagine that you're starting him in the fantasy playoffs. I wouldn't expect this next week um, against the Giants. No, and it's a there's a very weird line in that game. The Vikings are only three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Giants, which to me is way too small. The Giants are not very good. Not with, they played all right last night, but I don't know. There's this thing of like, oh, lol, the Vikings are frauds. Like, the Vikings are fine. They're a good team. They're a solid team, and they're more than three-and-a-half points better at home than the Giants, I think. I think that'll close four-and-a-half. That, yeah, that was, that's a weird one. For I mean, like, I could see them being three-and-a-half-point favorites if the game was in New York. Yes. Yep. But the game being in uh, New York, anyway, I just... That was a weird one. By the way, I am, for those of you listening at home, I'm now changing to a Saquon Barkley jersey. I am honoring my bet. The Commanders did lose to the Giants. I bet, Pete, that I would wear a, uh, a, a Giants player jersey Look, on the blue, air. Matthew. So, Man of Honor. So, there you go. I'm, even though, again, I, uh, I think there should be an asterisk by that victory, <laughs> the fact of the matter wow. is, is the Giants did win, no, and uh, I'm, honoring, I'm honoring that. So, I will wear Saquon the rest of the show. Continuing with our weekend Warriors, J.K. Dobbins looked healthy, guys, and that's the most important thing. J.K. Dobbins on only 13 carries, 125 yards. We know the Ravens, without Lamar Jackson, were going to have to find something in the running game from the backfield, and Dobbins explodes in this one on the ground. He did, and he looked, to your point, healthier because he was explosive the week before but then also was limping around a little bit, but he looked better in this game. I don't know how the Ravens didn't win this game, let alone cover the spread. It was very, very strange, and I think there was a thought, like there was a lot of things swirling around why didn't they just run the ball more they're averaging seven yards per carry well the thing is like if you are running the ball more and more then the other teams will start to load up to stop the run so I think that was an element but certainly Dobbins is the guy you want in this backfield going forward and they have a very favorable matchup against Atlanta coming yeah up. They, they, they really do nearly five yards before first contact so getting great blocking as well they've got the run game really going and like it's not like Edwards was bad Edwards was fine. Yeah. He also ran well. He just didn't – he wasn't running as well as Dobbins. But I agree with Jay. Dobbins is the guy you want moving forward. But it is – it was nice to see in a game in which he should have smashed, he did. He, he would have liked a touchdown as well because he's not getting a ton of passing uh, passing game work. He only had one reception this game. So he needs, he needs volume and yardage, but he's getting that to be, you know, a viable RB2. Yep. Saturday night, Barry, I saw you tweet Raheem must start and – 
Boy, I hope everybody listened. 136 rushing yards on 17 carries. It's kind of crazy that the Dolphins didn't just feed him, especially as the weather got even worse throughout the game. Super weird play calling, I think, in, on some uh, in some cases. Because, yeah, you're just like, well, just keep running. Like, they couldn't tackle I'm, him. Like, I get you wanted to mix it up and you don't want them to load. But I'm also a believer of, like, I'm going to keep doing this till you stop it. Do you prove to me you can stop it again? Uh, the, the 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 Dolphins' offensive line was just dominating the Bills, and they you know he sort of had his way. The other thing about Mostert is he's got that speed, that explosiveness that you know if he gets a crease, he can break one. And, and so um, I think that with Jeff Wilson out, uh, you know Mostert made the most of his opportunity. He's now had back-to-back games with over seventy percent of the snaps. 156 yards from scrimmage in this one as well. Again, you'd like more passing game usage from Mostert, but you know. A, a viable high-end flex, low-end RB2 if Wilson's in there and if Wilson's out, borderline RB1, you yeah. know, high-end, low-end RB1, high-end RB2. He reminded me of the Damian Pierce game against the Eagles on the Thursday night where he's yeah. just the breaking the tackles. It was just insane. And I do think a, a, a good thing for most of it is that like, Tua was terrible in that game. His stats didn't look that bad, but he should have had multiple picks, including a pick six. He was not good. This is two weeks in a row of Tua being very poor. No conditions in the defense were tough, but maybe they do lean a bit more into the run. Yeah, it'd be interesting. They're home to the Packers next week, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, uh, we mentioned Baltimore is playing the Falcons next week. Tyler Algier got yeah. I mean, Cordero Patterson From got in the end zone, but Tyler Algier, uh, you know, in the, the first look at a Desmond Ritter-led offense, <laughs> wasn't pretty. Tyler, Tyler Algier had a season-high 18 touches um, and his third game this year with over 100 total yards. Like, and by the way, looked like the better running back. I, you know, I mean, like, it, it's pretty interesting. He's out there in a bunch of bunch of leagues. Yeah, and if they're leaning into youth, which they clearly are, because Desmond Ritter's not going to help you win games at this no. point, then why not go with the rookie in Algier? The Mariota to Ritter transition was like the meme of the guy wearing the shirt and he's holding up the same shirt. He right, right. It. That's literally what the Falcons' offense felt like. No yeah. difference in the past game. Yeah, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk was on Fantasy Football pregame saying like their expectation is. I mean, this, I think I'm quoting him directly here, but Florio said, you know, talking to sources around Atlanta, the expectation is they're gonna they're not making any adjustments for Ritter. They're gonna run the exact same offense. They just hope slightly more efficiently with Ritter, then Mariota, and that's exactly what they did. They continue to be run heavy. They will be run heavy next uh, next week against Baltimore. And so Algiers suddenly, you know, signs of life in that Atlanta backfield. I agree with you. We know Pat Patterson's, I think, 32. He's not the future in no. Atlanta. They need to see what they have in Tyler Algier. To the game that Jay's been dying to talk about, Broncos-Cardinals, his favorite oh. game of the weekend. Tracy right. Sorley, Brett Rippon. But That's the right. story was Latavius Murray. Yeah, Latavius Murray, the, the featured superstar of an NFL offense in 2022. It's beautiful to see. Great story. Uh, Latavius Murray, I mean, he's the guy that they're giving work to. They don't want to throw the ball. Certainly not with Brett Rippon, maybe not even with Russell Wilson. And, uh, yeah, as you can see, he went off against the Cardinals. 24 carries, 130 yards, gets in the end zone, 20-plus fantasy points. What more can you want from Latavius Murray, Matthew? Well, look, we expected him. I mean, he, he made the love list this week because we expected massive volume, and that's exactly what Latavius Murray got with the 25 touches in positive game script as well, obviously. It was a good matchup. Marlon Mack. I mean, <laughs> by the way, Marlon, every time you think you're done with Marlon Mack, he shows back up. He also cashes in a touchdown. 
By the way, he ran well as well, 5 for 37. I mean, he averaged over 7 yards a carry. He also cashes in a touchdown. They're using Marlon Mack basically in the Mike Boone role. He caught four passes. So, in deeper leagues, potentially <laughs> Marlon Mack, um, who will, you know, they'll be uh, at the Rams next week on a sh- weird Rams. game. Really weird game. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, I mean, that Rams, ugly, Marcos, the ugly. Like, game's not, pick. Marco doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, really brutal. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, try, but, like, in, the, in all the games that he's played with Denver this year, Latavius Murray is averaging 16 touches a game. Like, he is a, he is a volume-based RB2 and will continue to produce. I think you can trust what you're seeing here. Like, they can't do a lot in, in Denver, but they can run the ball, and Latavius Murray is getting the volume to make him viable. It's hard to believe he started the year on the practice squad to compare to the role Latavius and Murray is in right play, now. What he, it's what his time. Well. It's his time. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, like, yeah. You spent a quarter of a billion dollars on a quarterback, and then your, your <laughs> offense features a running back you literally claimed off waivers. Yeah. We'll save you yeah. All right, we're taking a break. When we're back, speaking of that, exactly that scenario, Sunday scaries when we return. You know who's not a Sunday scary? Deontay Johnson, 48% target share. Peacock has the most live sports of any streaming service. Watch live games and events from the Premier League, NASCAR, the PGA Tour, every Sunday night football game, and so much more. It's all streaming on Peacock. Sunday Scaries, the toughest part of the show, fellas, and you got to start with Jonathan Taylor. Not just a brutal day for fantasy, but it might be the end of the season now for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, reports are that it's a high ankle sprain, and given the state of the Colts' season, no reason to shut bring him down. back. So it feels like they're going to shut him down. Expectation here is it would be, you know, Deion, Deion Jackson and, uh, and Zach Moss as well. We'll get more into this tomorrow during the waiver Wire show. But, you know, just a, a disappointing season for the number one overall pick, uh, consensus-wise, in fantasy. Yeah, I think you just got to ride it off like he'll be a top – three top four pick next season I would have thought going into the year and uh, yeah it brings up questions about Zach Moss and Deion Jackson Zach Moss had 24 carries against the Minnesota Vikings unbelievable in this economy yeah uh, I, I will say I just want to point this out I think it's important and not I mean like you can hindsight being 2020 but I do remember getting a tremendous amount of pushback and you know I can't believe you know no way on Chris McCaffrey I'm out on him yeah I, I don't I, why would you ever rank him second why would anyone ever take him first like you know he's always injured no way I don't want to touch him you know give me the safety of Jonathan Taylor okay it goes I, just obviously who would you rather have right now right yeah. I mean so it's just you just again it's injuries are generally hard to predict yeah I mean I think we said this after week three or four and I think it was probably the right call even though it hasn't worked out but Cooper Cup probably should have gone number one right and he right. just gets hurt and it all falls apart but he might have been the, the pick he should have made but that, that, again it just it just goes to show you right yeah. again it's right apart. At, at one point in the season we'd have, we could have done the redraft we've said you're taking Cooper Cup number one overall and yet again he's been out of the out of the league and uh, you know hurt so that's been tough a guy that said do not draft me he tried to warn everybody, and he was pretty good all year, but did not have his best weekend. Miles Sanders, 11 carries, 42 yards, has the fumble, nothing working in the receiving game for Miles Weird Sanders. game for the Philadelphia offense. Like, Dalen Hurts, he has the three rushing touchdowns and is amazing on the ground, but he didn't do much through the air at all. And Miles Sanders, 11 carries, 42 yards, one reception for negative 13 yards, 1.9 fantasy points, and what looked like it was going to be a really good matchup against the Bears, Matthew. Absolutely brutal. I, this should have been a smash spot for Miles Sanders, and it just wasn't given the matchup given how we you know that the Eagles were nine point favorites in this game we expected them to be run heavy and I will say right again you mentioned 
Jalen Hurts has three rushing touchdowns in this game. I think if Sanders gets one of them, the narrative changes on him as well. So, Miles Sanders tried to warn us about this, right? Don't draft me, because he knew his role as the offense. And we talked about this in the preseason as well. One of the reasons why you would fade Miles Sanders is because, hey, he's got competition for goal line touches in Jalen Hurts. And they like to use Boston Scott occasionally and Kenneth Gainwell as well. So that was baked into his ADP. It's obviously a very disappointing game, but if you drafted Miles Sanders, you're still very profitable based on where he was going because that's why he was drafted is because there was questions about his touchdown equity. He still, despite the fact that he didn't get in the end zone, he had under two fantasy points. He is still, as we enter week 16, he still has 21 carries inside the 10-yard line, 21 carries in goal-to-go situations. That's fifth most in the NFL. The, the challenge, of course, is that Hurst has, Hurts has the third most you know, carries inside the 10-yard line, which is one of the reasons why Jalen Hurts was my fantasy ride or die at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I, he's running back 15 on the season, and I think that's right. Like, he's, he's a somewhat – he's not involved in the passing game. He's basically he's a he's an RB two that you hope gets into the end zone. He's still exceeded expectations. I a think. thousand percent. Yeah, this is sort of this is what you this is you. While it's frustrating because it happened in week fifteen, if you drafted Miles Sanders, this is what you signed up for. Yep. And look, I'll own it. Like he was on my love list. Like I thought he was going to have a smash game. He didn't, unfortunately. But um, eh, I, I'm not panicked about it. This is what you signed up for with Miles Sanders. Yep. Connor, do you want to talk about the Jets' offense? The last, yeah, if we have up? to. Yeah, you want to talk the, about Bam not, The last one, the Bam wagon loses a wheel this weekend, fellas. Bam wagon, 13 carries, 23 yards. Here's my take. Not only did he get banged up in this game, the Lions literally said, Zach Wilson, throw against us. We yeah. are putting everybody in the box. That's not Bam Knight's fault. But that doesn't mean it's the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do anything different on Thursday night for Bam Knight. A, a thousand percent. I think they'll be less successful than the Lions. I mean, the Lions have been – we talked about this. Coming into the games, the Lions – coming into the games, the Lions were the, a top eight run defense over the last month. They've gotten month. a lot better. They've gotten a lot better against the run. And so I was surprised that – and maybe it's just they didn't want to challenge Zach Wilson. They want to keep it simple. I was surprised they didn't use him more in the passing game. Me too. Bam Knight. Um, we'll see about the – hopefully he's healthy for Thursday night against yep. the Jaguars. But assuming he suits up, I still think he'll be fine. I th- better days are ahead for Bam Knight and all of us on the Bam wagon Thursday night against the Jaguars. Against my Swaguars. It's I me hope- versus you Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's me versus you. Me and Connor versus yeah. you. Yeah, pretty much. Tough. Yeah. I'm worried about Zach Wilson just submarining that offense entirely. It was very, very ugly. You and, so, yeah. and all of yeah. Jets Nation. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, I thought he showed moments. Sure. Uh, oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's just the roller coaster. He could have had four picks. He could have had four yes. picks. Yeah. No. No. I, I'm not saying it was all pretty. <laughs> I'm just saying it also wasn't all a disaster. That's some big throws. That, it, some big and, throws. and 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 previous starts have all been disasters. Yes. So I'm just saying there were, there's at least some positives there. Mr. Brightside over here. Well, All right. When we're, when we're back, we're yeah. looking at our Monday Night Football props. Thanks to our friends at BetMGM. Here are most bet Monday Night Football props, courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. And a reminder, you can use the bonus code BERRY to make your first wager at BetMGM risk-free up to $1,000. Fellas, looking at the board here. Anything you like or anything you're kind of fading the public on? Yep, my one is, uh, I mean, of these ones, Christian Watson scoring a time touchdown plus 110 is uh, the shortest bet in football these days. But my favorite bet isn't on this board. It's Kyron Williams to go over 17 and a half rushing yards. Not a great deal of science on this one. I just think that they're going to give him more carry. The Rams, their season's done. They're not making the playoffs against a bad Packers rushing defense. He probably only needs four, five carries to go over 17 and a half. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced they're all in on Cam Akers, no. who hasn't looked 
great. Who's Why been, would you, you know, I- I- Exactly. Um, look, I'll, I'll say, I'll give you two here. Give me Aaron Rodgers over one and a half passing touchdowns again. Two weeks to prepare for this game. Off the bye, at home, Lambeau, primetime game. Rodgers has multiple touchdown passes in 70% of the games this year. Rams have allowed three touchdowns in two of their past four games. So I like over one and a half touchdown passes. And I also like Christian Watson, over 47 and a half receiving yards. He's had at least 48 in four straight games. Rams have allowed 70 yards to a wide receiver in three of their past four. I'm looking at a low bar here. Ben Skoranek, <laughs> over two and a half receptions. He had eight targets with Baker Mayfield yeah. last week. So yeah. Skoranek can't get to three catches, guys. I like I'm, it. I'm, Retiring from the prop game. There you go. <laughs> you heard it right I here. I like that. I, like, I, there's, there's no, you never feel excitement like a Ben Skoranek over. <laughs> yeah, that's so where this game is. On a Monday there. night. Yes. Monday night Close football. to Christmas. Baker there Mayfield. There you go. Um, well, hopefully there's no refereeing drama. It's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay Croucher and Connor Rogers, I'm Matthew Barry. Good luck tonight. I hope your Monday Night Miracle comes through. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace out.